0: All right, well, welcome back to the Awakening Innovations Podcast. I'm Michael Barnes, your host. And today we have a, a very exciting guest, Daniel Bruce Levin, uh, Danny. And so, Danny has a, a huge resume of all sorts of incredible, exciting things. And I'm gonna let him tell you more about it. But uh, for those of you who know about it, he was director of business dev for Hay House and help take that and grow it massively. Um, he has, he actually was almost ordained as a rabbi and then decided to go become a monk in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains. And we'll get into why that happened. Um, and he also has a book and a website called The Mosaic. And that's really what attracted me and wanted to bring him on because he and I have a lot in common. So we're gonna have a conversation And, you know, with that, pass it over to Danny and tell us who you are, man.
1: Hey, Michael, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, I am a unique individual. I saw I often wish I was someone other than I am, which is the sort of the curse of humanity in general. But I often wish that I had grown up in Philadelphia, stayed in Philadelphia, went into my father's business and just had all my friends that I grew up with and all of that. But that hasn't been my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents passed away two years apart on the same day Ooh. when I was a boy. Wow. And so I, it really shaped the way that I looked at the world because what I realized in writing my book, The Mosaic, that I didn't realize until I started writing it, it's a fable based on my story.
0: Okay. That
1: what I was really looking for all my life was the, the place the adults told me my parents went to, which was heaven, because okay. I, wanted to, I wanted my parents back. I was only yeah. 13 when my dad died. He was my hero. And 15 when my mom died two years apart on the same day, July 4th. Ooh. And so all my life, I grew up thinking that they were teaching me a lesson of be independent. Right. It was only a few years ago that I realized that they weren't born on Independence Day. They died on Independence Day. Right. And what they were really teaching me was independence is death. You can't, you can't function in the world if you just function on your own. The idea of coming together and working together and putting all of our pieces together makes us be able to do extraordinary things. Yeah. And And so that's what happened for me in writing The Mosaic. I realized that the world that I was seeing was not at all the world that is. It's just the world I was seeing. And for anybody who's listening, who sees themselves in a, in a pothole right now, who sees themselves even, even in, I just, I just had a Facebook conversation with a friend of mine who was a multimillionaire and overnight he lost everything. So mm-hmm. no matter where you are, whether you're at the top of your game or you're at the bottom of your game, you are one th- connection away, one moment away from something happening that will give you an entirely different life. So what do you take with you? What's that thing that you that won't ever change, no matter what happens outwardly? That was the thing that it was important for me to find.
0: Yeah. And so
1: part as I said in the introduction,
0: part of that path was almost becoming a rabbi and then going to monastery. And I
1: have to know why. Perfect. One day away from becoming a rabbi. <laughs> so I I left I left school because my parents passed away. I moved mm-hmm. in with my aunt and uncle. They were an, an elite family in america but i didn't know them very well but they promised to take care of my education they promised to show me a world that i'd never seen i went from a lower middle class family to an elite upper class family and they showed me a world that was unbelievable to me and i went to school to study psychology thinking psychology would give me the answers to the problems i was seeking And and in two years i did enough psychology to get my undergraduate degree in psychology Wow. But I didn't see the answers I was looking for there. So I put my thumb out and I started to hitchhike Before around Before you go on, world. let me ask you something. Yeah. Did, did psychology help you find the questions to ask? Um, at that point, I knew the questions. I didn't have any problem with the questions. I wanted answers. And, I, and it, didn't, it didn't provide me with, a, with the resources that I needed at that point in time okay. to give me the answers. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to go out on the road and I'm going to meet people and talk to people and see what people, how people deal with their suffering. And I hitchhiked around the world yeah. and so with really the thought of going to India. And that's where I thought I was going to find. I had a t- spiritual teacher there that I was going to see. When I got to Israel, I sat, I, I sat in Israel at the wailing wall for the Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. And, and I just fasted and I sat there and I thought, wow, what a better place to be. And I'm going to start my trip to India in two days. I feel cleansed of everything. I get a tap on my shoulder from a, from a guy that I don't know who says, where are you going to break your fast? Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. He said, well, why don't you come with us? We have a, a a yeshiva just a few blocks away, a seminary. Okay. And so I thought, okay, wow, that's a good idea. Why don't I go there and, and break my fast? And I sat with them and had dinner. And then I looked in a book that I had been carrying the whole time with me called The Spiritual Guide to Planet Earth. Okay. And in, in it, it showed places where people or holy men were. And, and you would go and visit them. So I saw there was one about 10 miles from where I was. Mm-hmm. So I was leaving in two days and I thought, I'm going to go visit him. But they said he's only up between 2 and 6 in the morning to, to greet people. Okay. So I thought, okay, I'm going I'm to go there. And I walked there to see him and it was Yom Kippur and he was fasting and he was tired. I said, okay, this is BS. The book right. obviously I got it wrong. The next morning I woke up at 1:35. Okay. And I, and I was compelled, just drawn. I said to the woman I was staying with, I'm just going to go for a walk. And she said, where are you going? I said, I don't know. I must be excited about getting, about leaving tomorrow. Right. I'm just going to go for, go for a walk. Lo and behold, I was walking the 10 miles to his place. <laughs> And so he sat with me and, and showed me how to see. And okay. he said, if you want to learn how to see more, come back tomorrow. Okay. So I put India on hold and went back to learn with him. Four days later, he passed away. Mm. But he had told me to go to this other place until I was ready to, to be with him because they were Ascetic Orthodox you know, Jews. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it. I stayed there for five years. And then I'm, I, I said to the Rebbe, who, you know, you've told me a beautifully wise thing. You, still, you told me the problems exist always at the same level. And as we get stronger, our problems look smaller. And as we get weaker, our problems look bigger. Okay. And you told me to put all the problems that I had with Judaism on the shelf
0: mm-hmm. and
1: see if when I got stronger, it would be nothing to walk over there like a molehill. Right. Well, today my shelf broke. And all my problems are all over the floor. I don't think I can I don't think I can live knowing that I would be ordained in your name and not following the teachings that you've given me. It doesn't feel to have integrity. So I right. think the best thing to do is walk away. And that was one day before I was going to get ordained.
0: Right. Yeah. That that takes knowing yourself to
1: make that kind of a decision. Yeah, it, there's a certain integrity that you have to have as a human being to know that what you do and where you're going is where you're supposed to go and that you're not using people along the way. Like how easy would it have been to get that ordination and have that in my pocket as a list of yeah. achievements? Yeah. But a list of achievements doesn't do anything if it takes away your integrity as a human being to have them. And yeah. I, I, I watch as people live their lives talking about who they were. Right. In my book, I the, I talk about that through the street artist. The street artist is is a man who just sits on the street, and people bring him broken pieces of pottery, broken pieces of 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 uh, 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 things that were once whole,
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: just dump them out in front of him, and he takes those broken pieces, and because he's sensitive, he can hear the broken pieces talking about who they used to be. Right. And he said, but you're not that who you used to be. Why don't you sit for a minute and who you are so that I can make you into something that's going to be so much more beautiful.
0: Mm -hmm. I just
1: had a really interesting experience with someone who's, who was helping me through a a difficult moment. And I realized that in my life, I've had a lot of loss. Right. And I, and I always felt like everything good is taken from me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I was stuck in my business, and I thought, "Why am I stuck?" And she said to me, "Well, if everything is good is taken from you, why would you create something good? Right? You don't want anything good. It goes away. It it would. It would just go away, and it would hurt me when it would went away. Yeah. And so I sat with it a little bit, and I realized that I had cut off the second part of that sentence. That I had only heard everything good is given to is taken away from me, but I didn't hear the second part, which was which said so that something much better can be given to you. Right. And as soon as I heard that second part of the sentence, the first part of the sentence made such complete sense and was such and was so caring and loving, that of yes. course that's the process. We have to be emptied out before we can have something greater put in, right?
0: Absolutely. There's there so many aspects of life that people get caught in that sort of trap and hanging on to the past, hanging on, you know, whatever it is, the demon you know is better than the one you don't, something like that. Yeah, You know, there, there are so many opportunities in front of us. And if we just hold on to the past,
1: we'll never, we'll never achieve them. Yeah, so, so that's so easy to say because I know I've said it, right? <laughs> and yeah. yet I, I watch myself and I watch the people that I work with that they cannot let go of that past. And, and the past is so alive in the present, it's no longer the past. It's right. absolutely this moment, the present. Yeah. And we believe that our past is our present and will be our future.
0: Yes. But,
1: but the truth of the matter, the past is the past. It is yep. not our present. Our present is open for us to do what we need to do right in this moment. And yeah. so one of the things that I loved about listening to your podcast of what you're doing in Cincinnati with the homeless community, is that where we are at any given moment is only where we are at that given moment. We are literally one moment away from having everything be reshaped.
0: Yeah. And and that's what I loved about what I read in your book and on your website. It's it's that one connection. And you know, when I talk about Cincinnati hacking homelessness, a lot of people think I'm crazy. Yeah, of Um, course they do. Yeah. Because they're like, you know, how can you change it? How can you do this? And And what I I read from you and what I've heard from you, um, really, it it puts into words
1: what I've been thinking. Yeah. right. And and you're doing what I'm thinking. That's why it's so interesting to me that we should have this conversation. We don't know each other all. We only know each other all of 18 seconds. We never talked before this, right? So if two complete strangers can have such coherency of thought, Mm -hmm. Who else out there is thinking the same thing that just doesn't have the courage to speak up and say it, or we haven't contacted yet. And so we are way more connected than we believe we are because we look at the differences that exist between us and we focus on the differences. But if you look at a mosaic, it's very rarely the two sides of a a pieces are are flushed together. Sometimes it's only the very corner of one piece and the very corner of the other connect. And everything else about them is not connected, but that connection right here is enough to keep the mosaic intact. Yeah. And what I'd love to just do is invite people to start to see what would happen if I saw the similarity between us, even if it's the smallest possible thing. And I just focused on that. Yeah. What would we be able to do? My dream is to create this mosaic swarm and, we're, and we found people that are using AI technology to help our, our advanced human minds function like some of our primitive brothers and sisters. If you look at the way bees go about finding where they're going to live, the most important decision they have to make, they have to build a hive that will protect them for the next year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: None of them have the intellectual capacity on their own to do that. Right. So what they do is they send the bees out in thousands of directions, all with the thought of finding the best place to live, to build the hive. And they come back into, this, into the swarm. Right. And, and you can see them vibrating together. You, and, and the ones that have a great place vibrate a lot. The ones that don't have a good place don't, don't vibrate a lot and follow the vibration. But right. together they decide and they become a collective mind that decides this is where we're going to go to build what we're doing. And right. that's how they've survived over the course of so many years. We humans who think we have an elevated mindset actually still live in vertical consciousness where we have solo people. We have solo people deciding what to do for the masses. Right. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a room with people where there's a person speaking and a thousand people sitting there. All the people in the room are brilliant, but nobody's asked their opinion. Nobody's asked how would they resolve it. Nobody's (laughs) asked what to do. And so this beautiful thing about this uh, this swarm and, and AI technology is that it invites people into a virtual room into a virtual room and has, uh, has decisions around the corners of the room okay and nobody knows who the people in the room are we 've done it with people where there's a billionaire in a room and a homeless guy. Mm-hmm. nobody knows who that those people are there. everybody just has a magnet, and each magnet has an equal equal vote because okay. the magnet is pulling towards what they think is the right solution
0: yeah
1: and, and inevitably they'll come to a group solution. What, that, what might vary is the convictedness of the group in that decision. It might be lower or higher,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: by doing it more and more, what will happen is people will start to realize there's a group. I'm a part of a group. I can't, I don't have to hold on to what I believe. What is the right thing to happen? And what would the group, not what a group think is, <laughs> happen, because we don't want that. But right. how do we move together in unison to create solutions to problems that should no longer exist? Yeah. And,
0: and I really liked uh, your emphasis on innovation because that's, and, and you're, you know, right there, Danny, you were saying, you know, not group think. Yeah. And so I, I'm starting out with Cincinnati hacking homelessness. Then I want to do it a hundred cities and then I want it to be city hacking issues. So it's a way to, address any problem. Yeah. And it is all about innovation just like you. And it's all about getting everybody in. And it's interesting the way that you've addressed it because I want to have homeless people in, of course. in the room. And I want to have the megacorp presidents. And I love how you're saying, you know, nobody really knows. And so it gives everybody equal voice. Cause that's been one of my concerns is, you know, yeah. in a room everyone knows. Yeah. And so, how to handle that so well,
1: these awesome. people allegedly have some way to do it in real brick and mortar time spaces as well. We haven't okay. come up up against that, but we have when you're in a virtual room you yeah. have the you have the anonymousness of participants right um and and here's the other side of it. so I'm coming from the bottom up to try and get the masses. I want to get a billion people, yeah. Uh, and that's a minority of a billion people because there's 7 billion people that think I'm crazy. Right. Right. And I, and I say to them, you know what, I, I honor you, be continue to do what you're doing. You be part of the majority of 7 billion, right. because if what we do works with a minority of 1 billion, mm-hmm. the tide will come in and everybody's boat will raise. You'll see the benefit from it. You don't have to try and trust me. Right. And and what we're also trying to do is we're asking people for a dollar a month contribution. Okay. Okay. One dollar. Right. Because we want it to be something that everybody can afford. And I know there are countries where a dollar a month is kind of cataclysmic for them. It's right. too much money, yeah. but we will find people in, in areas around the world that will sponsor those people and they'll give $2 a month. Right. Yeah. And it won't be a major contribution for them. They'll be able to do it. The idea is to get, a billion people, because here's what's happening. Within a very short period of time, we will have in our pockets, the capacity of a human mind to help us think no matter where, what, no matter what we think we have it almost already, but in 20, Mm -hmm. 25 years, our phones will be, will, will have the wherewithal to be a human mind, a brilliant human mind. They will allow us to resource our human minds together. Hmm. Yeah. And come up with new solutions. So the, the the situations that we're facing right now are only situations that we're facing right now. Just like the homeless person, <laughs> right? It's just yeah. in a situation right now. I, in my crazy. book, I in my
0: no.
1: yes. in my book I call it the road worker. He comes every road, no matter how beautiful it is, eventually develops a pothole. Yeah. And what he watches is how people go around the pothole. Some, some go around it and miss it entirely and go on with their life. Yeah. Others drive into the pothole and go immediately and get it fixed. Others drive into the pothole and say, and hope nobody will notice, but their whole front end is, is messing and everybody notices. Yeah. And the other ones that are really interesting are the ones that drive into the pothole and forget there's a road and think the potholes now their reality. Right. And we've all had that happen. We've had situations that have been so cataclysmic for us that we feel like that's our life now. We can't get out of that pothole. We forget that the road ahead or the road before was beautiful. And the road ahead is, is, is equally beautiful, if not more. Yes. But we can't get out of this pothole that we're in because we don't know how to do it. And we started to believe we are the pothole.
0: Yeah, and that, that's a beautiful way that you put that. Um, I, I love words. And I yes. love how some people weave together words. That's another thing that I do on this podcast, actually, is I try to get people on who have run into problems, you know, hit a pothole. And some people get stuck there. I love the people who, who hit the pothole, their whole car basically gets destroyed, but they come out and somehow rebuild their car, I yes. guess is- Maybe I built before, but
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. But but sometimes, sometimes even the fact that we think our whole car gets destroyed is only the result of sitting in the pothole and not thinking we can get out. You're right. Very often, it isn't the whole car that gets destroyed. Very often, it's just a, a part. But that part, on top of all the other things that have happened, make us feel as if we don't have a chance anymore. You're right.
0: You're right, and and I, I love to get reminded of things like that, um, because, it you know I talk to these people, and it depends on you know there's all sorts of issues, but one one thing that I like to look at is you know generally it's like a day or a month or a year, out of a lifetime, yeah. and you know your business collapsed. You're the guy you or guy or girl you were talking to earlier. He had several million dollars and it vanished. Yeah. Well, that's, that's today. Or maybe I guess that was yesterday. You know, tomorrow, one connection away, as you say, yeah. um, might have it all back or might decide, you know what? That was actually a bad path to be on. And maybe I'm better off doing something entirely
1: different. A hundred million percent. So when one of the things, the mosaic, the book taught me as I was writing it, Is that nothing is as it seems. Right. Um, When my father came back to me in a vision after he was gone. Mm -hmm. And he said, he said, don't be sad. Right. I've done everything that I can for you. Now it's time for you to allow the world to help you. Yeah. And so the people you see, don't look at them for what they are or what, what they look like. Just sit with them. Right. And, and Mo in his journey to find heaven wondered why he was sitting with a homeless man and a street artist and a gardener and a juice man and a trash man and a waitress. He thought these aren't people that can show me heaven. Right. But in every single case, he said, I'm here, I might as well listen to their stories. So he sat with them and he had them share with them who they were in every single case, 100% of the time. He realized the person he had initially seen was not at all the person they were. Right. And he walked away with a different understanding. And when he saw that time after time, after time, after time, after time, after time, after time time again, he met a monk who unzipped the sky and walked him through to a parallel reality where he met the wise one who was keeping the mosaic. Okay. And so there are things when you see, when you start to understand that what you see is not what is, and you open up the possibility to what could be possible if I saw it a different way. Yeah, Things that we can never imagine happening. That's what that unzip the sky moment's all about. Are there parallel realities? Yes, I believe there are. Does it matter if I believe that or not? No, it doesn't. Because in this moment, that unzip the sky moment is that same moment that happens when you look at that art, that that black and white drawing. That one way you see it's an old hag and the other way you see it's just young socialite. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. And when you see one of them, you're looking right at the picture and you can't see that social light because you see the old hag, Because the way you see it blocks you from seeing the other thing.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: that's exactly how we live our life. What we see literally blocks us from seeing everything else that's there. And when that thing is taken from us, when my friend who's the, who was the multimillionaire had all of his money taken from him, suddenly he couldn't see that reality. So he has to see another reality. Right. And who knows, in that reality, there may be something that introduces him to something else that introduces him to something else that actually is his life purpose.
0: Yeah. So I want to throw something out there because I keep trying to find out the source of this. And maybe you'll know because you're talking about different realities. So at one point I heard um, when you're talking to someone, you need to speak into their reality Um, because everyone lives in their own reality. And we can only see from inside our own reality. So we have to talk into the other person's reality if we want to communicate. Have you heard? i um,
1: heard. Who said that? <laughs> um, I don't know. Quest. <laughs> I mean, we we can Google it. I'm sure, and we can find out. And um, but you're not sure. Okay. No, but here here's what I want. I want to twist it a little bit. Yes. Because that's what I do. I twist people's realities. Okay. Yeah. We've forgotten how to listen. Yeah. We talk. We don't listen. And even in the process of talking, like hopefully what people will feel in this conversation with you and I, I'm going to share a secret with you. What I do is I use the words that I have and the poetry of the words and the way that I speak to try and occupy the mind of people. mm mm-hmm to get the mind engaged in the, in what I'm, in the concepts I'm trying to say. Right. But the reason I do that is to interrupt its pattern of trying to disrupt the feeling that you feel in your heart and in your soul. Mm -hmm. Because as soon, if you can hear between the spaces of my words, what I always do when I speak is I try to put, a vibration, an intention, a, a, a feeling that people's hearts and souls be touched. And normally when we have a stranger introducing that concept to us, our mind goes, no way, I'm not going to let you in. I mean, what are you doing? Hypnotizing <laughs> me like what's going on? I'm not going to allow that to happen. Right. right. But if we can intoxicate the mind so that it stays occupied in the, in, in the dialogue, what happens is the heart has a chance to feel and in the spaces between the words that we speak are where real transformation happens because our words can inspire, but inspiring lasts a few moments.
0: Right.
1: But, but feeling something feeling like feeling, feeling from within, like how is it possible that you and I know each other all of 18 seconds and we're trying to do almost exactly the same work. In slightly yeah. different ways. I mean, how is that possible? When we accept that connection is there with everybody, and we don't allow the mind to say there's no way that can happen, or all those people think we're crazy because we're trying to do something. It's just <laughs> mind it's just mind talk. Yes. What we're trying to do is infuse a feeling in people like what would we actually feel if we could if we could together solve the water problem in Flint, Michigan? Yeah. What would we actually feel if we could take homeless people off of the streets in one city, in a hundred cities, all around the world? Right. Why would we prevent that with our mind saying, oh, you can't do this? Why? Because nobody's done it before? You know, my heroes are those innovators that do what people have never done before, because otherwise we'd still be living in huts with, you know, with fires. And and you know trying to hunt down animals, right?
0: So those who say it can't be done should get out of the way of those who are doing it.
1: Yeah, maybe, but they can, they can stay in the way. But but <laughs> but but what we're trying to do, what what I'm trying to do for people is change is change the concept from the inside. Mm-hmm. Look, if if we look for differences in the world, you and I can find how different we are and never stop. Right. But if we look for similarities in the world, you and I can look for similarities and never stop also. Right. And what we focus on grows. Yes. And we live in a world now that's focusing so much on the differences that exist between us. When in reality, you know what? When you cut yourself and I cut myself, we both bleed. Right. And the blood was red. When you put your heart out to somebody and you get hurt, it hurts doesn't matter if you're you or me, it doesn't matter what color your skin, what religion you practice, what border you live behind. When you and I fall in love, everybody has that feeling of falling in love. And it doesn't matter what, there's so much basic stuff yes. that all of us believe in. When you and I help, when we feel like we help somebody, there's a feeling inside of us that is so magnificent. And that doesn't matter if we help them with a smile, or if we help them with a, a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> or if we help them with a barking dog. He, Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. It shook you more than me. Yeah. <laughs> I tell the story and I think you'll enjoy this. I tell the story of, a, of a, the, he was the first person on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a homeless man that I just happened okay. to meet. And I met him in a workshop that we both were going to. I sat next to him. Mm -hmm. And we had the most beautiful conversation and it turns out he's an empath and he feels people. And so I said, I want to have you on my podcast. And he said, okay, I would be great. And I can't remember if he said it on the podcast or just said it to me personally. But what he said to me was, I asked him, how is it to be homeless? And he said, you know, I sit on that corner and I watch people walk by. And there are some people that look at me with such hatred and scorn." as if I was beneath an animal. They would, they, would, they, would have, they would treat an animal a thousand times better than they treat me. Right. And I said to him, how does that feel? And he said, well, it got to the place where I thought, I don't even want to take their money because I feel their feelings. But what I do want to do is I want to help them alleviate those feelings. And he said, so I can sit on this street corner and I realized they passed me by 8, 10 times, 9, 12 times a day, going to work, going out for a snack, coming back from work, going to lunch, coming back, going to their car, coming back from their car. And I can pray for them. Right. And he sat there and quietly on the street corner prayed. Nobody knew he was praying for them. And over the course of about six months, suddenly a few of those people that walked by that were, hated him just stopped in front of him by his hat and stood there. And he, and he didn't say anything to him. They didn't say anything to him. But they just wanted, he could feel, they just felt his prayers and they wanted to feel his prayers more. And another few months later, they would come. They came by and started to put pictures of people that needed healing by his hat. Wow. And they said, I don't know what you do. We felt you, we hated you. I don't know what you do, but we, it stopped us in our tracks and we wanted to be in, 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 your, in your vibration because we felt you were praying for us. So would you pray for these people like you prayed for us? So how does a transformation like that happen? How does hatred turn into kindness? It doesn't happen through the words we say. And that's why I have this whole Occupy Mind movement. Because when we allow the mind to stop interrupting the flow of just what's naturally happening... The prayer, the natural connection that exists between us, no matter what color our skin, no matter how much money we make, no matter if our home is a box, a box on a street corner or a, or a mansion that people crave to live in, no matter if we practice Judaism or Hinduism or Zoroastrian or Islam, no matter what border we live behind, no matter what our parents did or didn't do, we are all the same. We are all connected. And when we allow that connection to be the thing that drives us Mm -hmm. rather than the separation being the thing that drives us, right. Our world changes. Yeah.
0: I love that. I love that. Um, and as you said, you know, we, we had this connection even more than we knew, but reading and seeing your, your, things the the website and what you posted it it's all about connection yes. and and as you said um, instead of looking at the differences, what are the similarities you know rather than why should we why shouldn't we be friends look for why we can yeah. Uh, and we
1: don't even have to be friends. Friends right. might be pushing it, right? Yeah, I, I thought of that as I chose that word. But... <laughs> but, but, but it's okay. I mean, ultimately, if we just open ourselves up, if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable to the world around us, yeah. if we stop fighting everything, one of the things I realized in my book, The Mosaic, mm-hmm. is that when I listen to people tell their stories, the people I see are completely different. I realize it's not just people. Yeah. I realize it's it's the world itself is trying to talk to us. The environment is trying to say something to us. We're not listening. The characters in my book that I thought would take me six months maximum to write, it took me over three years because when I finally sat and said, why in the heck is this book not happening? I literally heard the characters that I had created, okay? Mm -hmm. They weren't real. They were based on real people, but I I created them. Right. I literally heard their voice say to me, we don't want to say what you're telling us to say. Yes. We want you to listen to what we want to say. Listen to us. Hear what we want to say and write that. And when I did that, the book was done in two to three months. Nice. And here's what's essential. Their voice changed me. They, the way they said things was different. It was kinder, it was softer, it was easier. It was more simple. I never thought I would write a book about ordinary people. Yeah, I was a bit of a snob. I only liked to eat in certain restaurants and mix with certain people, right? Who, yeah. who, who was why I had to write a book about a homeless homeless people and, 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 and uh, gardeners and, and a juice men on the street corners? But when we listen, the world has a different place it wants us to walk. And so many times those potholes that we go into, those pains that we experience, are because we're trying to go somewhere where we're not welcome. Mm -hmm. We're trying to go where we want to go rather than where the world wants to take us. Yes. And so no matter how much the world says to you, you're crazy, Michael, don't listen to them because you have a call from inside you that's telling you that you're not crazy. And you want, you might want to hear them. You might want to say, okay, why, why do you think I'm crazy? Do you see something I could do that could help why? me get quicker? So I wouldn't discount it, but when you have an inter call, inner calling that you know is yours, look at Gandhi, look at yeah. Martin Luther King, look at Jesus Christ. They were not the most popular people on the planet. <laughs> right. they, they were all killed yes because they were trying to bring in a consciousness that was different than the consciousness that the world was in yeah the early people who do that the paradigm shifters are talking about a world that people that live in that world don't know how to put into a box and when people don't know how to put a, a, it in a box and a, and a nice Bow around it, they don't know what to do. Right. But they don't need to know what to do. They don't need to know how it's going to happen. They just have to be open and allow what's happening to happen.
0: Yes. Awesome. I, I appreciate all of your time. Would it be okay with you? This is, I didn't ask you before, if I read just a little bit off of your website.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I really really liked this part on the mosaiconline.com. Um, it just really speaks to me and what I'm trying to do. So, um, what happened to our ability to listen to each other? We're start, we've started to speak with anger and listen with judgment. More and more we see verbal attacks on people who disagree with us. They're increasing. Common ground appears to be diminishing and the absence of trust just keeps growing. The changes needed require innovation. Innovation demands that we listen to each other and take risks, but our lack of trust in each other diminishes the amount of risk we're willing to take. And all the while, innovation is being replaced by mediocrity and a fear of thinking outside the lines. Connection is our solution. This is why I love. Connection is our solution. We need people of like and unlike mind to come together and listen to each other. To find new ways to see the same thing and in this new scene perhaps the impossible will suddenly become possible. And that really is I think what we're both working to achieve and and I I read that and it just absolutely speaks to me and I I hope that it describes what I'm doing so.
1: Well, thank you for reading back to me because in reading it back to me I heard it anew also.
0: Okay, And so I,
1: I really thank you for, for acknowledging how much that meant to you and what it means because I understand why we went into like-minded communities. I understand what happened. We needed to find our voice and, there was so, and there was, we didn't know how to do it. So we got together with people. And I remember the moment that I found other crazy people like me who thought like me. <laughs> I was like so happy. I couldn't believe a group of people that existed like this in a world that I thought I was alone in. And yeah. so I, 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 I held on to that group of people and, and coveted that group of people. But everything, Michael, has a cycle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the beauty of the like-minded community is over now. Right. Because what's happened is our like-minded communities are growing bigger and stronger. And the gaps between ours and other like-minded communities are getting wider and deeper. Right. And now it's time to go back to the world that we were born into, one that what didn't have silos in it. It's time for us to go into the open fields and meet with people of like and unlike mind, because I believe in a world where everything is possible. The only thing that keeps me from having that, from knowing how to make the impossible possible is I just don't see a way yet to do it. Right. But if I stay in my like-minded community, I'll never see a way because I'll I'll be with people that think like me and talk like me and act like me. When I talk to people who don't think like me, I don't have to agree with what they're saying, but when I listen to what they're saying and I let it in, there might be something in what they're saying that unlocks something that I haven't seen that yes. will allow us together to both see something new that might just be the reason and the thing that solves the impossible into possible. It doesn't make sense for us to live isolated and alone like this anymore.
0: Yeah. It
1: doesn't make sense for us to just think that we're the only way we have this mass desire from our religion, to our politics, to our medical practices, to to, every, to our educational systems, to think that this is the only way. This is the way it's always been done. This is the way it has to be done.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. But innovation doesn't care what we think. Yeah. Innovation will happen with us or without us. And we could go way into another test, but I, yeah. but I've already overstayed my welcome here. So, maybe, so maybe let me just say it. So, because I heard your question it was, "How can people get in touch with me?" So, my name is Daniel Bruce Levin. You can either go to the mosaiconline.com or you can go if you mute if you mute your sound for a minute. Um, you will. I just hear it's like your microphone is unplugged. No. I don't hear anything. Are you, are you, how is that now? That's good. Okay. Right. All right. All right. So, so <laughs> I didn't want you to have to edit anything, but that was, that was a jarring to the ears. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so if people, I, I think your question was, how can people find out more about me? Absolutely. If people want to know more about your book, about your program, about the swarm, how do they get in touch with you? So my book is called the mosaic. It's available on Amazon. If you can't, there there are other books called the mosaic. So if you type in the mosaic, Daniel Levin, you'll be sure to find it. Uh, I can't wait for you to read it. I can't wait for you to experience the experience of what's beneath the words of the, of the story. The story will charm you and entice you and, 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 and make you feel great. You'll cry, you'll laugh, but what's beneath it is more, is really what I want to do. Yeah. The, th- if you want to know more about the work of The Mosaic, you can go to the TheMosaicOnline.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see what we're trying to do with Swarm. You'll see how Michael and I have almost exactly the same idea. And we, I want to come together with you and do something to figure out how we can build that together. Because obviously, we're stronger together than we are apart. Absolutely. Uh, and if you want to know more about me, you can go to DanielBruceLevin.com. Um, all of my social media things are right there. Um, you, I, I don't have to give you a long list. I can give it okay. to you for show notes if you want it. Yeah. Um, but uh, here's what I really want to invite people to do. Mm-hmm. If you are completely happy in the life that you're living right now, I so honor you and respect you. And I say to you, go and continue living that life but if you're not and i don't know many people who are those people who are completely happy please contact me i want to <laughs> learn from i want to learn from you okay but for those people who are not have the courage to look outside your silo of protection that you've created around yourself and allow yourself to experience this world that can be seen one way as the worst world in the, in, in, that ever existed and another way as the best. Remember the story I said as we were starting. Everything good will be taken from me. Right. And I lived with that reality for so long that I never wanted to create anything good for myself because why should I? It would just be taken from me and hurt me until I listened to the second part of that sentence, which was everything will be taken fr- good will be taken from you so that something much better can be given to you. When you hear that second part of the sentence, the first sentence and the punishment that I've put on myself for so long vanishes because the God that was just seemed to want to piss me off or, or lift me up just to knock me down. Now became a God that just wanted to take away everything. So he could really give me so much more. And that change, that shift of perception, those perceptual shifts that happen in the way that we see the world, change the world that we see. So if you're looking at a world that doesn't look like it's a, a good world, a shift in your perception will make the world you see different. And I love helping people do that. If I can help you in any way, shape, or form to do that, please contact me. And on a global scale, if you're willing to change the world through a new perception, Bucky Fuller said, we can't, the, we can't change the problems of the world today with the thinking of the world today. We have to create a new paradigm that makes the old paradigm obsolete. Right. If you want to be part of a new paradigm that makes the old paradigm obsolete, Sign up to help Michael out in his Cincinnati Feeds Homeless program or whatever that is called, and sign up for the Mosaic Swarm. It's a $1 a month contribution. Let's change the world together. Together,
0: I agree. Thank you very much, Daniel Bruce Levin.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks for your time. My honor. Thank you for having me.